It's Monday, April 13th, 2020. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode two of the 5049 CoronaCast. Welcome to it. How you guys doing? Today on the show, my most esteemed and illustrious colleague, Charlie Looker. Let's have a listen. Charlie is the fucking real deal, and we've got a good one for you today. Today on the show, Charlie Looker. Look, we'll keep it short up top. Uh, the Corona Cast. We're doing this for the entire duration of this quarantine that's happening. Every week, I'm talking to uh, a different musician, a different friend, someone who I find really interesting, and we're answering your questions. I'm going to social media. I'm crowdsourcing questions. Uh, and that is the format of this show. So please be involved. If you have questions, send them in to 5049records at gmail.com. Next week on the show, Mark Urselli. Mark was on the show back in uh, 2013. Grammy Award winning recording engineer. Uh, he's done literally maybe 100 records for John Zorn. He's worked with Hal Wilner, Lou Reed, uh, a lot of really important musicians, and he is a master of the recording studio. So if you have questions, if you're at home, you're uh, you know working on your, your new masterpiece in quarantine, and you have questions, you have ideas, you want to get your mix sounding right, send questions for Mark. This is a good opportunity for you guys. This is free information from a guy who knows what he's talking to. 5049records at gmail.com. Today on the show, Charlie Looker. You guys know Charlie. You love Charlie. Uh, he's my brother. Charlie was an original member, a founding member of the band Z's in the early 2000s. He, in my opinion, was in the best version of Z's. That band's still going. It's had many lineup changes. Uh, he left Z's and started Extra Life incredibly important band to me. Extra Life disbanded. He started Psalm Zero. That was the music we heard at the top of the show. Psalm Zero has a new record out. It's called Sparta. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Charlie and I actually made a duo record uh, back in January. It's coming out at the end of this year, uh, kind of like an improvised studio creation. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, and we, like I said, took to the internet. We sourced some questions. Um, I think we only get around to answering like four or five questions on today's show. Uh, the questions that we got were pretty dense. They required a bit of unpacking, and a lot of them sort of tended on the the philosophy and theory side of things. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I think it's fantastic. Uh, if you want to check out more of what Charlie's up to, and I definitely suggest that you do, go to charlielooker.com. Uh, and that's it. Hope you guys are cool. This is me and Charlie just two nights ago answering questions from you. Yeah, dude. Oh, let me bring up those questions too. Yeah, I've got I've got them printed out here, and I've got you know maybe like a method to uh, to work through them. Okay. Um, yeah. Totally. Dude, they're good for the most. They're part, good. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, some of them are going to require a little unpacking. Uh, a couple. So, I mean, what's super? There's a lot that's annoying about having to record these things, um, like through FaceTime. Not yeah. the least of which is 
200 some odd podcasts, every one I always started by just clicking record and starting the conversation before the person realized we're going. Yeah, yeah, I know that's the style. Yeah, I remember that. And like with this, like you literally have to be like broadcasty about it. But well, we're rolling now. I yeah, assume, yeah, I got right? you. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, already yeah, going. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, how is everything in godless Los Angeles? Um, in general, it sucks. But um, <laughs> but did it? That was before I, the quarantine. <laughs> nah, I mean, <laughs> no. Before the quarantine, it was like. You know, I'm I'm excited about the adventure of being out here. Right. Um, it's you know, Kirsten and, and I are very. It's it's been established we're going to move back to New York after a few years after she finished the school and stuff. But before quarantine, I was like, all right, the jury's out on L.A. But I'm psyched to sort of invest some emotional, uh, you know, like uh, some emotional juice, social juice to reaching out to people. So cool. Now that the corona shit's happening now i'm not only dark about corona but now you know my uh, momentum of wanting to start to dig la that's stalled so now i'm just like where the fuck's the pizza why are people like this i have no friends like you know that kind of, that kind of yeah, negative but like, shit <laughs> the dumbest thing about this quarantine that I, for me that i'm realizing like so i was talking with someone the other day and i was like you know uh coronavirus and the quarantine is like you know, if 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 you if you live in New York, like this is your opportunity to like become a true New Yorker to like get through a tragedy. You could be like, yo, I lived in New York during that thing. You know, whether it was like nine right. eleven or Sandy or <laughs> true, whatever. True, true, true. Yeah. Except like this time around, it's literally just about sitting inside your fucking dumbass apartment. <laughs> like I could literally be anywhere. I wish I was in LA. I know, I know, I know. And also, you know, I wasn't really in New York on nine eleven. I was I was up in college at, right, in Connecticut. At, at, at Wesley in Connecticut. So I'm just a pussy. I haven't You're done really anything in New York. <laughs> except I mean you know. except for being born and raised like all day long. <laughs> well unless you consider the early nineties to just be like permanent crisis and shit, which I guess you what, you, you're just... talking about like, the David Dinkins days? <laughs> yeah, or just in Koch days. I mean, you know uh -huh. just, the, <laughs> just the the crunchy the crunchy crack vials underfoot of it all. I can't but, help um... but like I can't help but think that and this is like a thought that I'm trying to suppress because it thoroughly bums me out. But like uh -huh. I I remember joking just like six weeks ago that like man i'm not worried about quarantine like you know we've been training for this for the last like five years via seamless via via facetime via netflix you know via tinder and it's like that's actually true and for me thoroughly depressing oh yeah big time man yeah just atomization dude yeah alienation and atomization that's the that's the modern condition it's been that way and now it's just accelerated into just utter fucking just yeah just, just like yeah. fucking pods like do you, i mean could you yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, like dude. how much Matrix, more dude. how much more disconcerting this experience would be had it take had this been even 10 years ago to have, you know oh, yeah to have just gone from being well, like a wild well, animal and you know well dude imagine 20 years ago dude imagine we didn't have the internet man i mean imagine right. it was literally just making fucking phone calls on that on that touch tone phone with the with the macaroni cord like <laughs> I, I mean grim just screaming at your wife just and girlfriend i'm on the phone <laughs> yeah man yeah dude i mean we're we're lucky that you know you're married and i'm essentially married you know that it, it because it's like i mean imagine you were like just starting to hang out 
with some woman, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm starting to get a vibe. You know, right. it's like we just and, like fucked a couple times. It's kind uh, of a vibe. And then it's like you're just like this shit happens, and it's like, all right, what what are we doing? Is this because you're stuck over? inside together? I don't know. Like, well, when, or you're not. I mean, you're you're just like, are we gonna be stuck inside together and take this relationship fifty thousand times to the next level, or is it just like what fuck off? Sane for, uh, person <laughs> would say yes to that proposition. So many people, dude. Dude. So I, many I, people. I have to say, man, absolutely. Like, by by like Manhattan standards, you know, my apartment is okay, is decently sized, but man, these four walls are beginning to talk. Like it's getting real <laughs> tight inside this apartment. I'm well, yeah, dude. I I was up until today. Well, like uh, the past before today, I was in the house for four days, not leaving even to take a walk at all. I would just wake up, drink a ton of coffee, fuck around on the internet, read yeah. this essay, mix, yeah. and then just watch some TV and go to sleep every single day. And yeah, so then I just woke up this morning and I or last night and I was just like, I'm going to go full fucking Overlook Hotel shining shit yep. in here. Like, we don't get out. So then, yeah, yeah so, so we went out and drove just up some hilly, like up to the foresty side of totally. things. It's fine. It wasn't just take, a big take a drive thing, down but... York or Colorado or something, and just like th- yeah, we just we just took a drive, man. Put on some put on some music and just uh, roll the window down. Our new roommate is super cool. Um, so you, could someone move in in the age of Corona? He, yeah, he moved in like right in time. He like <laughs> slipped in. He, he's like sliding into home with like those little green fucking green Corona things with like Pepe's face on them, just like fucking re- reaching to tag him. And he's just like, Whoo. so um, yeah, like uh, it's cool, man. It's cool. But you like, got out uh, of the house. Yeah, I got out of the house. And I I also realized I could have been taking walks this whole time. You I mean, it, yeah. it just I just wasn't because I was just in this. Yeah, I was just in this zone, man. Well, the first, I mean, the first, like, two weeks was, like, utter trauma and shock. And, like, both you and I, like, we were talking, like, we're bugging out, like, you know, I've got, I'm stockpiling weapons, I'm ready to blast a fool, <laughs> like, whatever happens, happens. And it's, like, way more chill than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just was, like, I was just super bummed when it first happened, like, we were talking about. I was just, like, yeah, I'm not inspired at all to do anything musical mm-hmm. now it's like i'm psyched enough that it's like yeah all right you know get, get yeah. some get some shit happening yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's less inspiration and more just uh compulsive or i don't know if compulsive is the right word but just this vibe of like yeah i'll remind myself who i am you know you know i'll, I'll mix this thing you know i'll write some shit you know just uh-huh. kind of like you know just that that kind of like uh uh just the compulsion based on this is who i am you know less less of the like really feeling uh, the the breath of inspiration just you know passing through you but right um yeah we get some shit done have you been playing your, your i your finally horn? yeah i you know i i mentioned to you last time we talked that like i still hadn't taken my shit out of the case like i basically like 10 days ago, i haven't had a drink in 10 days and i've pulled the horn out nice, of the man. case every day you know and i'm like just forcing myself to kind of become a human again Discipline, it, it's, it's working it's working Discipline. Yeah, dude. D- being human requires labor. Well, you know, so look, I got to So as, as you know, I said at the top of the show, I crowdsourced a bunch of questions. I'm here with Charlie Looker. Uh, I've got some stuff of my own that I want to talk about with you. We'll start with kind of a, a, a softball. And then I think a couple of them, you know, there's like some, you know, some shorthand involved. And I'll try and set it up so we can sort of make sense of these. Um, yeah. But a couple of these about already. Yeah, I, I've, I've already I've already kind of chewed a little bit. So yeah. I, I, th- I think you know what I'm talking about, though. The, but the, so the first question uh, is from my buddy Hugh, who's over in the UK. Uh, Hugh asks, 
Hi, guys. I hope you're doing well keeping sane during the lockdown, as we've all had to change how we interact with music making these days. My question to you is, what do you think about the musical statement made through live streaming a gig or a split screen collaborative video with other people compared to doing a a record during lockdown? Oh, this is okay. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to say something first, or or should I? Uh... Uh, you you go, and then uh, then I'll throw in. Well, compared to doing a record, well, I I doing a record during lockdown is just more obviously what lockdown is conducive to. You know what? I, let's say quarantine, man, because lockdown makes it sound like we're trying to be tough, like we're doing prison time or some shit. You know what I mean? It's like like everyone wants to make it, you know, like right. tougher than it is, right. like, you know, doing a bid, you know, you know. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, during lockdown, I mean, or during quarantine, yeah, making a record, it's, it, 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 quarantine's way more conducive to making a record, right? Especially a certain type of record. If you're making your, like, lo-fi black metal record or mm-hmm. your, like, solo electronics record, studio-oriented record, uh, or mixing something, you know, uh, that you recorded before, clearly that's great. Uh, that may, might even help that situation. You get super, um, yeah, just reclusive-focused, you know? Uh, get off in your own head as far as live streaming a gig i mean obviously that's just sort of like this pale imitation of the live experience that you thirst for right Mm -hmm. um a split screen collaborative video to me is such a pale imitation of i don't know what that it kind of sounds depressing to me but i mean maybe um i don't know maybe some people are doing a deep a deep thing with that i i I just kind of like uh i did the one live stream solo acoustic thing for my living room uh that was fun as hell and a bunch of people tuned in Mm -hmm. and i um i love the way it turned out and everything but the idea of doing more of them and being like oh this is just what i do i was like that's dark that's really dark yeah and 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 even even other people's shit even the even the ones that i've seen even the ones that are good musically like and it's just awesome and it's like oh yeah a person's a great artist so their live stream's great it does kind of have this vibe where it's like less about a deep experience and more about this. Uh, I don't know. It has this aura of just this desperate vibe of being like, um, we, you know, in the face of this stuff, you know, we persevere. Like, you know, like just kind of like this vibe of like, hallelujah. It's just like, right. <laughs> like, don't get depressing. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it kind of has that. Um, it kind of has that, that, that aura of like when, when like Trump won, and like everyone was, <laughs> everyone was trying to be, just like, well, you know, like next time we'll get Hillary in there. It's like, no, actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but but hey, man, no disrespect to people doing their live yeah. streams. Do it. Um, I might end up buckling and doing another one. Well, well the, the, for some reason though, for some reason, I've been more motivated to just record and write especially write and i've been really motivated to do these like just dumb live stream they're not dumb but these live streams where i'm just talking you know i'm like Mm -hmm. a youtuber now man. you were on the one last week um i'm really into these man because it's just immediate it's unprecious it's just uh yeah it has that vibe of like there's no time there's no time Mm -hmm. just just get your get your brain out there 
Um, it's funny. So I, th- I think you were like like weirdly precognizant that that this was coming because you started doing the YouTube and the live streams like like a month or two ago or something like that. And, you know, I, it was, it eerily hmm. segued into this way of communicating <laughs> yeah. with people. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Well, I've just been on this vibe of like, uh, just, just going more online, dude. Well, it's, it's also cause I moved to LA dude, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm just like, I miss my friends from, from New York and, uh, I, it is cool to have this, uh, n- not in the sense of like, Oh fuck LA. I don't even want to be here. Not even in a negative way, but just in a positive, cool way of just being like, you know what? I don't actually have to be anywhere. I can do long distance bands. Can fly for for a fucking tour. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, I had a cool project from upstate uh, that was going to be upstate with this artist uh, Amanda Turner Pohan. It was going to be awesome. It fell through. A bunch of money fell through. Prestigious gig fell through. But um, it's cool to think about. You know that I just have shit going uh, across the country also, and that the YouTube thing is a thing, and that I don't need to be in a place. I, I like that. I mean, I don't mm. know. I'm still psyched to move back to New York eventually, but you feel what I'm saying. Just that YouTube for me is the online thing is just it gives you this non-geographically specific just. I mean, the world has MO. certainly been on a trajectory of just like absolute geocide. You know, like the the seemingly the importance of place is is less important than ever. Um yeah. Until you act, I, I can't fully subscribe to that because I was looking at, at at Hugh's question and and really, you know, my initial response is to be sort of dark and dismissive towards this thing because it feels it feels like a, a compromised and sort of weak attempt at you know the connection that we feel through music. Yeah. Um. And you know, so okay, you're you're in your living room in Los Angeles. I'm in my room here in New York, and we're able to have this connection. So yeah, maybe maybe place doesn't matter, but when it comes to music, you know, if you want to a b two situations, like a put a yeah. a guy in his living room, you know, broadcasting to YouTube, and b bad brains at CBGB. No, no, I know, and it's like I know. they're not they're not the I same. Know, thing. Dude, no, 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 no. I I know, I know, I know. You and, know. and and I mean and, and I mean you don't have to necessarily invoke. A band from 30, 35 years ago. I mean, right, you can right. E- easily invoke just some deep shit right now. You, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, dude, live music is live music, man. You, you cannot fuck with people being in a room. Uh, hold on a sec. It's about to sneeze. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, no Corona. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, every time I cough, I've been saying no Coro. It's like the new no homo. <laughs> it's like instead of no homo, you'd be like cough, like no Coro, no Coro. Well, you know, you um, know, the something that's been happening here in New York, uh, every night at 7 p.m., uh, this started a couple weeks ago, it was supposed to have just been one night. Um, but every night from 7 to 7.05, people have been going to their windows and their, their balconies, and for five minutes, everyone cheers, uh, for essential workers. For yeah, doctors, man. for bus drivers, for for grocery store, you know the <clears> whole thing. Beautiful. Yeah. I look forward to it all day long, and I've been going out there with some gongs, with some fucking with a clarinet, like, and just making music with my entire neighborhood for five minutes. That's and deep. that That's to me yes. feels that that scratches that that feeling of connection musically ten million times more than I think it could uh, by you know playing the clarinet to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, no, no. That's that's full that's totally deep, man. It's totally deep. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean to feel present. Yeah. I I I can't I have not been feeling 
in the moment very much. I mean, these these live streams t- to some weird extent, but you know, it's yeah. mostly they mostly do the live stream, and then I watch back like, oh, who more people watched it? Oh, more people commented later, you know, and it's just it's. Yeah, and you get a little, you get a little pop of uh, dopamine, and that's cool, you know. Yeah, and it's like feedback, you know. I mean, it is feedback, but um, I, I yeah, do, th- I do shows. think that the live, uh, you know, lot the the YouTube concert that is, you know, happening right now. I do think, I think it could be cool. Like I said on your on your thing last week, if if you somehow figure out a way to make it special, like you know, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna live stream myself doing like a particular set of songs or. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something like I saw yeah, yeah. Aaron Dillaway did one, uh, and he had live chickens walking around. It's like, <laughs> it's like what? You know, at least like there's something like a little out of the ordinary about it. Yeah, that's total total noise vibes. Yeah, like some animal, like some fucking barnyard shit happening. Yeah, the, um, yeah. I mean, so, it's one of the things that's weird about this quarantine shit, though. Is like, I mean, not only not only has it been an extension of my like, I already have been sort of locked in the house in a lot of ways since I've been in LA because I've been working from home or mm-hmm. not even working that much, not playing many gigs. Cause I'm just getting settled in here and shit and just recording. And I don't even have a fucking car. So it's like, I've just been like taking Speak. Ubers to the gym and then coming back here and like working. So I've already been kind of like been easing into know, it, <laughs> easing into it. And I don't even know what the street is supposed to look like. So when I look out and it's all abandoned and shit, I'm just like, I don't know. Is that just what LA? I mean, you know what I mean? You don't even see that many people around anyway. It's already like 28 days later out here and shit. So it's like, um, yeah. And then even before that, even before that dude in New York, I mean, I wasn't playing a ton of gigs the past couple of years, man. You know, I mean, I did like a little Europe tour and stuff, but it was all about, uh, you know, that big uh, fucking Simple Answers, uh, you know, orchestra thing I did. I worked on months and months for like one show, which is like, I mean, that's cool, but I could have done that out here. You know, that's not like being in the fucking scene and stuff. I mean, I wish I had been doing more improv shit in New York, you know? Yeah. Just the just the whole the whole improv vibe. Uh, so, but in any case, I've in many ways been getting prepared for this lock, locked in thing. Um, but dude... When this shit is over, dude, I am going to be on the fucking scene, dude. I'm going to be on the loose, I'm going to be like a feral animal. Uh, Honestly, you know, we're going to get back to the questions, but, you know, something that I was thinking about, and you and I, I feel like in the last year, had this conversation privately a number of times, which was, uh, I I could speak for myself, and you could, you know, chime in with how much this resonates with you, about in the last couple of years, I have felt really disconnected from the music scene that uh, I've, I've historically been a part of. I've felt sort of like, you know, the world is moving at a pace that I don't necessarily identify with. I've been kind of like stepping back, not putting a lot of music out. And yeah. I have, in the last year, felt this like sense of momentum sort of like blowing up like wind beneath me. And yeah. I've been putting in a lot of work and I've been looking on the horizon seeing, all right, 2020, this stuff's going to start coming up out of the ground like a potato, you know, and I'm com- you know, like I'm coming into 2020, I'm turning 40 and like I'm, I'm coming in hard. I'm swinging hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I've, I've put in the hours to come out swinging and the universe yeah. right now is like, Mm, no, you're gonna stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the greatest injustice in the grand scheme of things, but like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, no, I I know, man. I, I mean, the thing that's humbling about it too is like, you know, that we all. It's humbling for me to realize I was already really realizing this before Corona. I mean, just uh, really coming, really facing the extent to which 
my own inspiration and creativity and level of energy, the 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 the, the frequency that I'm vibrating at, uh, just how much that that uh, is is dependent on the environment and external factors and the culture in general. I mean, I never would have denied that. I mean, no right. man is an island, like whatever. But you know, in my 20s and you know, even like most of my 30s, there's this sort of this sense of like, well, the world is what it is. But you know, I have these powers and I draw directly on like the fucking spirit of whatever. But I mean. It is weird to look back and be like, you know, in my late 20s, that was a particular time in New York City, extra life. You know, yeah, it was my weird ass fucking vision. But I mean, it was completely dependent on New York at that time, yep. Brooklyn, the, the the media thing of that, you know, even though I didn't give a fuck about pleasing anyone, even still, the way even the even not giving a fuck about pleasing people, the way that you don't give a fuck about pleasing people, that is dependent on what the people are like at the time. And the musicians, you know, that are there, then 30s, you know, it's like the early 30s, Psalm Zero is all part of this metal hang. So it's like just realizing that, like, oh, like you can't deny that Corona is going to cut your balls off. Like you can't, there, there's no, there's no shame. There's no mm-hmm. shame in Corona fucking up your flow. Yeah. You know, like you can't kick yourself in the ass like, man, why am I not overcoming this? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Other times that you, that we've been kicking ass in, in, in creatively, other times we've been helped by a fertile environment, fertile moment. And this is like the least fertile shit, man. It's just like just a just sandblasted by the desert, man. You know, it just sucks. Mm. But, uh. We'll still make deep shit. I mean, I'm still like relatively pumped about what I'm doing now, but I have no shame in just being like, yeah, this is fucking, this is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so speaking of extra life, uh, I've got a question here from a guy called Zach. Uh, and I might have to. Oh, yeah, I know Zach. Zachary Hate. Yeah, Haight. yeah, yeah. So so here's what yeah. he wrote. I'm, uh, this, I'm, this, this, I know this him from is, the internet, I mean. This is quite yeah. a long question he sent. Uh, your, your, Charlie, talking to you, uh, earlier musical work like Extra Life is undeniably a force to be reckoned with on a musical level. It is an act of creation. Recently, it feels like you're grasping different parts of the rhizome and trying to construct a line of flights. Your most recent record with Psalm Zero and Tracks as Nothing Human are both explicitly referencing and engaging with certain philosophical texts and ideas as they become encoded and filtered through these musical creations. However, I feel that there is a difference between creation and engagement. Looking at this trend in your work, do you foresee creating something that is simultaneously a creation of music and a creation of philosophy? Word. Uh, then there's the next. Uh, okay, we just okay. that question first because yeah. So that part. that's the first yeah. question, and that's it's kind of a lot to unpack there. So I think like what he's talking about uh, <laughs> these two separate worlds of philosophy and music. Like, how would you start there? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I already checked this question out and thought yeah. a little bit about it. Um. Let's see. Well, also, just yeah, Jeremiah, you you ever you ever check out Deleuze, Deleuze and Guattari, or uh, the, I have like sort of as something that is. And a lot of stuff that you and I have been sort of exploring concurrently, like it's clearly like the rep main reference point. So I've gone back and checked it out from that perspective, That's though so it's sad. I don't feel fully equipped to like engage oh, dude, no, with it. No, in. no one is. No, yeah. no, no one is. There, no one is. There, there's a there's a meme. There's a meme in the philosophy realm that's just like, explain Deleuze to me right now or I'll fucking kill you. Just right, explain right, it. Right, like right, it's, right, it's right. Like Just the joke being that this is impossible to do. Um, but no, I, I've been returning to, to that text, uh, A Thousand Plateaus and the other text. But, uh, you know, since since early 20s, uh, uh, Sam Hilmer put me onto that shit in yeah. Z's days. That was like Z's book club. So I, I've been chipping away, uh, grokking like tiny little, uh, you know, shaving away at the, the monolith that is 
it. Uh, but it, that's what he's referring to. He talks about the rhizome and lines of flight. Uh, rhizome is basically just a horizontal web-like interlocking uh, structure rather than a top-down uh, tree-like structure. Mm-hmm. He basically predicted the internet, essentially, is what the ry- <laughs> rhizome, the internet is the most rhizomatic thing. Um, lines of flight are like these weird little escaping velocities that like, uh, I guess they kind of take apart structures, but they come out from the structure based on an increase of speed. In any case, that's what he's talking about. Um, so um, earlier music, like earlier work, like Extra Life, it's an act of creation, but recently it feels like I'm grasping at different parts of the rhizome. Uh, where this new stuff is explicitly referencing and engaging philosophical texts. I feel that there's a difference between creation and engagement. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, well, it sounds, well, first of all, it sounds, Zach, like you, it sounds like you like Extra Life more than the other stuff. It's cool, man. It's all right, man. You're not the only one. It's all good. Um, uh, so, but, um, see, creation... I think you might be um, overestimating the originality of of extra life lyrics and approach, because it sounds like you're saying with extra life, I'm cre- I was creating stuff from nowhere. It's as an act of creation, uh, feelings, thoughts, concepts, ideas, and where you're just saying now I'm engaging these texts. Uh, it sort of sounds like you're saying that I used to be creating ideas, now I'm engaging with ideas that other people have made. The thing is. We're talking about philosophy uh, uh, reference points. I um, uh, extra life was just shot through with 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 uh, philosophical uh, inspiration from from theory uh, just from the beginning. I I just wasn't talking about it as much. Um, yeah, I just I just wasn't openly just running my mouth about this stuff in interviews. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean I could go through. You know, uh, secular works was a lot of. Uh, Baudrillard and a lot of Situationists made flesh was a lot of uh, Bataille and uh, uh, Mishima. I, I, I consider him a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yukio, Yukio Mishima. Um, yeah, a lot of um, Dream Seeds was was Jung. It's pretty much Jung all the way through. And then Deleuze kind of threw a lot of the whole, a lot of all the records, Ripped Heart, uh, the song in particular. So. But, you know, I always filter that shit down through those ideas. I only use them insofar as they relate to personal things in my life, you know, and I can bring them down to some kind of even like a personal scenario, you know, just stuff, uh, stuff in life, you know, uh, you know, in my 20s, various romantic sexual uh, interludes or uh, teaching guitar to little kids. Um, never the two at the same time. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Not pedal. Yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> yeah, people heard that album. They're like, oh, cool. He's like a child. I'm a motherfucker. Like, I can't <laughs> sing about a kid, dude. Um, <laughs> well, some people, it's a little creepy, I guess. But, uh-huh. but um, but, um, uh, what was I going to say? But yeah. So a lot of that stuff, I wasn't like creating ideas. I really was engaging with with pre uh, with prefabricated ideas. Um, but um, let's see, explicitly referencing and engaging philosophical texts. Uh, let's see, do I th- think that there's a difference between creation and engagement? Well, I think all my music is creation. What I'm doing in general is creation, uh, obviously, um, but I don't. I'm not uh, I'm not a thinker. Uh I think I think my ass off, but I'm not um 
I'm not a philosopher, you know, like my, my cre I'm not, uh, I'm creating music. I'm creating art. It's informed by philosophy. I am not creating philosophy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not inventing. I'm not a person who has pretenses, uh, or aspirations of inventing new ideas, which are creative in and of themselves, uh, thought wise you know mm -hmm. i mean that to me a philosopher a thinker is like you come up with some word you know you're like foucault is like biopower you never heard of this shit i invented it right it's a tool for dealing with reality at this time you know um i'm not doing that um especially because you know there are people who are um like i'm a fan of philosophy i always call myself uh I say I'm into philosophy the way a lot of men are into sports, you know? Right. Like, I'm just, I'm on the couch. I got wings. You're a Monday you morning know? quarterback. Yeah, it, it, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. You know, I'm like, you know, I used to, you know, I used to think in high school, man, you know, I could, could toss that pigskin, <laughs> man, you know? It's like yelling at the screen, like, I know better than anyone, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, but, but there are people who are really are, not a ton, but people like, you know, someone like Hunter Hunt Hendricks, I mean, he's actually making philosophical work you know i mean he's a guy whose vision of what he's doing on on creatively is music and philosophy together and drama and poetry i mean he's got this thing of the uh the arc work i don't know exactly what he means by the arc work because i've checked out way more of his music than i have of, of his actual like uh, philosophy and stuff but you know it's a wagnerian thing of the mm -hmm. gesamtkunstwerk you know what i mean and um you know, I'm a musician. That's what I'm doing is music. But it's heavily informed by theory. And I will say this. Am I going on too long, Jeremiah? No, 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 no. Like no. Hop, in, hop in the shit. Um, like, um, I, but at the same time, I am, with this YouTube thing and with these essays that I'm writing, or especially this one, I am into occupying a space that's more than just a musician. It's, it's just that my main thing is that I'm a musician. You know, it's like that's right. the thing that, like, has to be deep. Whereas like this YouTube thing, I'm like, yeah, man, I think I'm kind of a broadcaster too, or kind of an internet uh -huh. uh, personality or whatever. But you know, but if that turns out to not be that deep, it's not like oh, I failed. You know what I mean? Right, it's right, like, right, whatever. right, right. You know, and same with same with these essays. I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I'm confident that I'm a good writer and that I have things to say that are you know important to an extent. But uh, it's not like a thread that I'm trying to keep going with and yeah there's going to be another essay and there's going to be another thing and i'm writing and it's going to be a book i mean i don't fuck it you know yeah but i mean i get the feeling from you uh that philosophy has never been solely an academic interest you know i don't i don't feel like you engage with any aspect of theory or philosophy that isn't somehow very practical to you oh for sure man yeah no yeah i mean emotionally or creatively or just just trying to deal with people and be a better person whatever that means um well and yeah, I, th I, I think that would show up uh in how you approach music like you know you the, the one thing you've been talking about a lot in our conversations uh is this idea from Sloterdijk about vertical tension and that relates absolutely instantly to creative work creative practice and taking mm -hmm. it seriously to actually uh transcend through through that practice yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's a creative idea. And you know it's something that we already were into and living, but then you know he gives a name to it. Yeah. And then, you know, and and in that name he ties in with political implications that maybe we didn't think about before and then it's just like, ooh, it's kind of right wing, it's spicy, you know, like <laughs> just shit shit that's maybe a little uncomfortable like right. oh. like you know, um yeah, so like um 
Yeah, no, no, I, I take, yeah, I take inspiration from these guys, man. A guy like Sloterdijk, man, mm-hmm. it's like a breath of, it's a, it's, it's wind, wind beneath our wings, man. And I love, I love talking about the shit and sharing it. Um, well, yeah, you know, you said I never engage with it in an academic way. I mean, same with music. I mean, man, I'll tell you, man, no offense to anyone of our friends who are, well, actually, you know, maybe some of them, yeah. but I mean, no, no offense really to just people in general who are, uh, in academia, like whatever, you know, some of you guys are doing good shit, but, um, I mean, I think of academic as like a slur at this point. Sure. I mean, it's it's sure. it's 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 like, I mean, as far as I can see, man, whether it's being an academic composer or even an academic academic an academic theorist or philosopher, I mean, your main thing, as far as I can tell, is generating paperwork. I mean, I mean, that is literally you're like a bureaucrat. Like it's like some Soviet shit. Yeah. Like you you're just in there. Yeah writing shit so that other people can comment on you and write about your shit and it's just you're generating discourse that just is in the academy and then just it only trickles out into the world in the most bastardized like buzzfeed just it's, it's like it's like not way. even important like, enough to become dark matter uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it's totally it's just it's just like <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I can't, I mean, but look, you know, I'm sure, you know, there are people who are in academia. Sure. In deep work. I mean, I mean, Alex Minchak. Alex Minchak, that was the first is, name is, I was about to say. A, a professor who's making just like art on just the highest Oh, yeah, level. He's, I mean, he's like a hitman you know, with that shit. He, he's a, no, he is a hitman, but he's, but he's like smuggling shit in, you know, he knows right. how to, he knows how to play the game or, or whatever, or, you know, his, what his art is on a genuine level happens to be compatible enough with academic uh, requirements. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know Alex you know, that well, but I, I would imagine that his music is actually being fueled uh, quite a bit by the Academy, whether it's research opportunities, access to performers, access to time and space yeah. to realize the music oh, sure. at the level that he needs to, you know, which is not no, something, for sure. you know, that you can necessarily do if you're like, you know, hustling a day job and, and side <laughs> no, no, manning and all that fucking shit. Not at all. Not at all. But I mean, an artist like him though, you know, it's like he can do, you know, acad- academia requires that you generate discourse. I mean, discourse can mean something deep, but I mean it in like a kind of a jive way of just like generating like paperwork, essentially. (laughs) But some people, what they naturally do artistically um, can generate that without you like without it being forced or like bullshitting or doing violence to your own things. I think an artist like Alex he can make the work that he just that is the deep thing that is his actual deep expression Mm -hmm. and then he can talk some academic shit about it without it being bullshit i mean without just attaching a bunch of shit on it that doesn't need to be there and without compromising his vision you know Mm -hmm. but i mean someone like me man i can't for if i had to you know people would be like oh you know you want to like apply to grad school like have you ever thought about that man you could totally get in and i'm like man i would have to just lie about what my shit is about like i would have to pretend to know what i'm about more clearly than i do you know (laughs) because you have to go in there and be like i'm my work is concerned with i'm like i'm already just like yeah, tend to it's fuck a, out i just don't that's just not how i roll and um and yeah i mean and when you talk about theory like you know if i could find a way to connect the theory up with what i'm doing musically and and like zach is asking you know if i could connect it up more and be able to talk the talk in a more coherent way 
I could probably parlay that into some academic shit, but I just don't want to do that, man. I love being a sued, man. Dude, I'm a fucking pseudo-intellectual. I love that, dude. I think that's, like, actually, like, deep right now, a YouTube sued. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I love it. (laughs) But but, but do you feel like for you uh, not going down the road of assigning academic terms to your work, uh, whether it's past work or, or work that's on the horizon, is it... You don't want to invest the time in in creating a bullshit language about something that, you know, it's not necessarily about or you just don't even want to, like, go that deep into understanding your own work. That's a really good question, man. Maybe it's the latter. You know, maybe <laughs> I maybe I just get a certain. um yeah, maybe I just get a certain motivation off of off of a, a, a certain level of like lack of self awareness. I don't know. That feels weird to say because I just I, th- I think having self awareness is almost an ethical imperative for everyone, you know, including you know whether you're an artist or not. But um, I don't know. A certain sloppiness, man. I, I sort of thrive on that. And, and also, you know, the thing is, man, I I don't have a conscious uh, I don't have a conscious connection between lyrics. And music, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a thing where it's like, uh, I mean, to me, the connection is I write lyrics and then I carve them into melodies and, and musical material, but any connection between them is, is intuitive, man. You know, like I, I'm not out here being like, um, yes, yeah, I keep re- referring to Hunter. It's like, I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too on his nuts, but I mean, seriously, just as a guy who, who, as a peer of ours, who, really it really is a unified thing you know he can without bullshitting talk about some way in which the rhythmic aspects and timbral aspects of what he's doing really do relate to some concept of uh i don't know to his philosophical concepts you know issues of time and like the history of the universe and like love and acceleration of capitalism and shit like that um whereas for me you know it's like i could talk about my lyrics a lot I could talk about how different songs relate to certain theoretical stuff, personal experiences, and I could talk very articulately about certain of them, ones of them, and I could talk about melodic construction and melodic shit, but it doesn't fit altogether into some Gesamtkunstwerk type. Right. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. And and I feel like my music is very original and like I'm really putting something out there that I'm like, yo, this is, you know, you need to like really hear what this is. The lyrics, I'm like, I feel them. It's important to me. But you don't have to really get it all for it to be, you know what I mean? They don't stand on their own. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't think. Maybe. Well, I maybe. I, I mean, maybe it's not for you to judge. That's true. No, that's also true. Uh, but I'm just not. Com- I'm just not coming to them with that thing. So, so when Zach asked, "Do you foresee yourself creating something that is simultaneously a creation of X and a creation of Y?" Um, yeah, the large. Do, yeah, do you want to do something that is a simultaneous creation of two different disciplines? I, I just wouldn't consider my lyrics or philosophical concerns to be a discipline, you know. Right. It's a it's a it's a it's a prop for my you know, my music is my discipline, you know. Yeah. That's that's you know, I work out. I'm not a, a, a an athlete, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like right. I, I, you right. know what I'm saying? Like I'm not like doing something with boxing. I I'm just like trying to like stay in shape and just fucking you know, take the day out on a, a bag, you know. Well, speaking of discipline, uh this is a question from Chad. Uh, I'm curious about the Patrice O'Neill sample in the song Fascist Moments uh, from your album Simple Answers. What is yeah, the significance man. of the sample and how does it relate to the subject matter? Mm. I'm also curious to how you think stand-up comedy parallels with music. Thanks and keep up the good work. Mm. Yeah, man. <clears throat> well, 
Good questions, Chad. Um, I mean, let's first start by saying for anyone out there listening who doesn't know Patrice O'Neill, uh, without question, one of the great stand-up comedians of the last 50 years. Uh, certainly an important guy for me and Charlie, I know. Um, died oh, yeah. tragically about 10 years ago from a stroke. Uh, was an important and crucial uh, uh, comedian in New York, what's been referred to as the seller crowd, the comedy seller in the West Village. He was a regular on Opie and the Anthony. Um, style of comedy was very... Well, I'll, I'll let Charlie speak to the importance of Patrice. More. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he was... The, yeah, the scene that he really was, like, definingly, like, a part of was, like... Louis C.K. at that time, mm-hmm. you know, Louis C.K. coming up early, Amy Schumer, whatever you might think about it, one way or the other. Um, Jim Norton, Jim Norton, uh, the the these guys, Greg Giraldo, also rest in peace. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Patrice. Let's see here. How do I start with Patrice? Well, Patrice is definitely the cruelest comedian <laughs> who I th- find absolutely hilarious. There are mean. There are meaner. There are meaner comics. There's always someone who's just gonna, you know, make fun of the disabled, and it's just like you know, it's like cruel. But right, right. He, but but it's not funny. He's the guy who's the meanest who I find funny. So I'm really into limits. You know, I I, I love limits, uh, and I don't love crossing limits for the sake of crossing limits. I think transgression for its own sake is is juvenile. But um, limits are deep to me. They define things. Uh, So, or let me put it this way. I'm only into transgression insofar as they define limits. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So for me, the thing about Patrice is he's so mean. He's just so misogynistic. I mean, a lot of the stuff at the time, it would be like, the time it was like edgy, now it would be probably considered hate speech. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, but but he um but it's crazy to me how he was able to say these things that are mean, but they're welcoming. He would like welcome people into it like somehow the intention really was to make people laugh and not cry. I mean, somehow somehow the whole vibe of it is that he wants you to laugh and he it is about spreading joy like mm-hmm. he wants you to you know he wants you to feel good in some way you know what i mean it's and when people in the crowd would get mad and he'd keep going after them it's almost like he would get meaner and meaner until they laughed with him and and that were friends. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like 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 there's. I mean, you ever heard that? But that that is one of those bootlegs where he's making fun of the woman eating chicken tenders and shit. Uh huh. He's just like he just keeps going for like 15 minutes until she's like down, and then uh, in any case, like so he um in that in that uh. The thing is, though, in that uh, song, Fascist Moments, I sampled, I cut up a t- two things. One of, uh, I, I sort of spliced together a couple lines from, uh, I spliced a, a, two lines from um, from his special, yeah, from his legendary special, Elephant in the Room. 
And um, I spliced that up with with a part of his, his Mark Marin interview, his interview on 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 the WTF podcast, which, which in and of itself is almost that's honestly, part of the lore. I, I've yeah. listened to that interview probably six or seven times, <laughs> yeah, and it too. is essential listening. Like, essential. I, guys, you probably find it on YouTube uh, or in iTunes. The Patrice episode of WTF is one of the most uncomfortable listening experiences you'll ever have. It really is. And it really it's is absolutely mind boggling. No, it's it's really it's really deep, man. And he, um, so yeah, the lines, the sample on on the, the sample on there, it's very quick. Uh, he says, um, he says, he says, I- I'm gonna be better than you. The promise of me being better than you makes my whole fucking life. And he says, uh, uh, and he says, this is not a social standpoint. It's nature. It's fucking nature. And he goes, I made a decision to be quote unquote a good guy my natural instincts stopped so for me it's like when you take that out of context it's like so grim but um but of course there's this undeniable thing to it now um well the thing is it sort of takes when you take it out of context it takes the conflicted nature of the comedy out of it you know because mm-hmm. it's it's like to me to me the reason why um in, in a way i'm almost like being in a way somewhat disrespectful to patrice by sort of taking his words out of context and pigeonhole pigeonholing him into this purely purely evil quote unquote <laughs> and sort of inhuman like he's like the devil in that right. whereas like in his own work he's like you know, there's this push and pull of empathy versus cruelty and, you know, the human and the inhuman. Whereas I just take just the cruelty and the coldness of it. And then I'm bringing the sort of warmth and the conflict to it. So maybe mm-hmm. in a way it's almost doing, uh, I've almost, after making that, I've almost thought like, maybe I'm a little bit being shitty to Patrice in a way. Uh, hmm. But I love him so much. It's like, it's all, it's all good, I think. But, but he, um, but so. Okay, just stand-up comedy in general before going on about Patrice and what the song is about. I really for me I mean, it sounds it's a cliche to say like stand-up comedians are the philosophers of our time. It's it's sort of cliche because philosophers are the philo- I mean, yeah, yeah. there's still, still still philosophers, you know. But um but you know, comedy has that blue-collar vibe with the vocabulary and um that that sort of working class uh wisdom. Uh, what Gramsci calls the organic intellectual. Um, <laughs> you like that shit? But um, so <laughs> it's nice, right? Um, uh, but um, uh, yeah, but I but there were a few years in there, especially during the Psalm Zero time, and when I was like maybe from two thousand thirteen to two thousand sixteen, where I was like off of theory and I was really checking out more comedy than theory. Mm-hmm. I mean it was just Bill Burr specials and mm-hmm. just like Key and Key and Peel was like in full swing. I mean it was really like Kroll show. I mean it's not even stand up, mm-hmm. but you know, there was just I felt like there was this time where like comedy was really scratching that itch. So I mean to me, some people have said that the definition of um intelligence is the ability to hold two conflicting ideas in your head at the same time so even even the idea of holding even to say holding an idea holding two ideas the idea of holding an idea rather than subscribing to an ideology or quote-unquote believing something or thinking something or having an agenda you know the idea that an idea is something that you can hold in your mind that's a different that's a particular way of thinking about thought that's already 
more subtle and creative than than the way most people think about thought. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even people who are kind of like, even kind of even people who are the kind of even the type of people who like protest comedy and like you know like call it hate speech and like fucking you know like man even those people they cut comedians way more slack man you know what i mean than 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 other people you know i mean there's stuff that like if a civilian said it on twitter people would be like oh he believes that he said it he believes it mm-hmm. whereas like a comedian well i you're mean like, you know but you're comparing like a 140 character tweet from someone who like just exists on the internet to someone who's like literally giving themselves an hour to present yeah. like their their range of ideas no no for sure for sure but but so even still it, i mean like yeah. but but even even someone like nick mullen you know just like firing off this these jokes on 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 twitter a lot of people cut cut comedian slack because there's an understanding it's not just an understanding of like, oh, they're kidding. They don't really believe what they're saying. It's even subtler than that. It's not even like they don't really believe it. They're just kidding. It's even deeper. It's like, oh, comedians call into question what it means to believe in something, you know, because mm-hmm. they're not they're not telling you a belief structure usually or it's not funny if they are, um, you know, Nanette is not funny. Um, remember that right. it's just over that, that 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 comedy special. But um, oh, I mean, no, you, you remember that shit? Um she might be right about a lot of things, but it's a fucking bummer. But it's not, not comedy. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not comedy. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, um, it's different. It's a different kind of thing. But like, but yeah, like, so when Patrice, I mean, of course, he might legitimately believe some things that might be considered evil or that I might actually find dark yeah. or bad. But but I mean, his comedy, you know, it's it's holding ideas, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that whole, so, so to come back to that quotation where he says, um, this is not a social standpoint. It's okay. Well, first of all, saying like I'm gonna be better than you. The promise of me being better than you makes my whole fucking life. I mean, he's just putting out a might makes right uh, view of the world. <laughs> I mean, he's just saying that what my life is about is dominating other people, and just yeah, it's just it's just winning and just being better and just just competition. You know, it's just yeah. like tooth, tooth and nail, man. Tooth and cl- nature red and tooth and claw. You know, I'm getting highbrow on you, man. Um, no, this is great. He, 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 uh, yeah, and it's like nature. Wait, who is that? Is that Tennyson? Or it's definitely someone who I haven't read. Or, or Byron. You know that na- nature red and tooth and claw. Like, uh, you know, it's just nature's brutal. It's like that Twitter mm-hmm. account. Nature is scary. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, but so. Yeah, he's like he's like this is not a social standpoint. It's nature. It's fucking nature. Now, I mean, this is like something, you know, people talk about the naturalist fallacy. Um it, yes, it can be thought of as lazy thinking, okay? I mean, it is lazy thinking, the naturalist fallacy is like, "Oh, because something's quote-unquote natural, it must be good. Because something's natural, you just have to accept it and go with it." It's like that's not true. That is lazy right. thinking to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But but on but on a creative level and I mean just on a human level, you know, you have to be on some level wrestling with that abyss of that the social world and all the ethical imperatives and moral, uh, you know, uh, moral imperatives and moral questions that involve in being a social being. Those are not naturally given. I mean, those are human constructs and they're good. It doesn't mean it's bullshit. It doesn't mean like being nice to people is jive. I mean, it doesn't mean that love is horseshit. He might say that love is horseshit. I don't think he really believes that, but mm. uh, believe that. But um, but I'm saying, I mean, just just the basic, fundamental, scary idea 
that, you know, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That's not self-evident. That's like the least self-evident <laughs> thing in nature. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, right? have, to, we have to labor to instantiate to that, that, yeah. I, to, that idea. You know what I'm saying? And, and cool. I'm into it, man. Compassion is beautiful. But that's an aesthetic judgment. It's not a fact. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a fucking fact. I mean, love is a fact. Empathy is a fact. These things mm-hmm. are emotional realities. But in any case, I mean, just, yes, there's a facile, lazy, edgelord, macho thing about saying, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's nature. I'm going to fucking take power. I mean, but, I mean, it, it, that's a part of fucking human nature. It's a part of reality that can't be washed away or thought away. It has to be integrated. And... You know, from a from a contemporary woke standpoint, that's just like, ugh, like, what are you, a fucking Nazi? But just from a basic therapist standpoint, I mean, if you just go to a shrink and you're like, I'm dealing with problems, probably they're going to end up being like, well, you have, there are certain aggressive drives that you have to dominate other people. It's totally normal. We're not going to squash those away. We're going to sort of find mm-hmm. a way to healthily integrate them into, you know what I mean? It's just like basic, you know what I mean? Whether you're going to channel them through black metal riffs or bdsm or whatever you need to do or just fucking mean stand-up comedy or like saying fucking racist right. shit to blow up steam i mean just like whatever you fucking do whatever works so that you don't fucking like right. just self-immolate and take a bunch of people out with you you know um so in any case the patrice quote um yeah so like i'm gonna be better than you so it's almost like i've taken his shit out of context and made him just the voice of just that pure thing of just like, I decided to be quote unquote a good guy. There's no actual such thing as objectively as a good guy. It's a construct, quote unquote. My natural instincts stopped. Okay, so I I pigeonholed him into just saying that in an unconflicted way. He's like the devil in that. There's fire in the background, you know. And so then I'm in there with my lyrics and that kind of making some concessions to that, but also having that. Like, but what about love, dude? What are we going to do? Kind of, you know, the other mm-hmm, side of the, mm-hmm. the human side, you know? So it's like, um, so yeah, but that song fascist moments, like it, it, it's sort of about, it, it's really not about fascism on the level of like actual, like the movement begun in Italy and taken up by national socialism and 6 million people in gas chambers. I mean, it's really not like really historically about that, but, um, and by the way, I wrote that shit before everyone and his mother was saying fascism 25,000 times a day. You know, this was an earlier point in the culture war where saying fascism mm-hmm. actually was like kind of cool, man. But um, but the I, but a lot of what that song is about is just that kind of like just that utterly fatal acceptance of just might makes right worldviews, just that surrendering to the idea of power whether you're surrendering to yourself, whether you're surrendering, whatever role you're surrendering to, whether it's victim and just like, fine, just fucking just do it, just take me, get it over with, or whether it's surrendering to your own desire to be the aggressor and just like, yeah, this is, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just, it's like fascist moments. It's not like, dude, let's face it, man. We've all fucking raped someone. It's chill. It's like, no, that's not what this shit's about. But it's like, you just look at like day-to-day interactions, man. There are these moments where just the abyss opens up and you're looking at an antisocial moment like the most like this is like the most mundane shit man where it's just i feel like the abyss opens up and i feel sick my heart it's like fight or float shit where you're like um you're like standing in line for something when someone cuts you in line uh-huh you're standing on line 
it's like the it's like the most emblematic like social act you know what i mean everyone has agreed to wait and to defer their drives based on an idea of who deserves who has a right to be satisfying their drives in an order based on some appropriate structure you know what i mean and it's just like you know there's this agreement that you're not going to cut people in line then like you get a little distracted you walk a little bit offline to grab some like chocolate bar last minute and then you come back and you're like wait i was here it's like not anymore in that moment it's just like can i take this guy like that's it You're, you're immediately dealing with pure power you they've 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 broken this social compact and the abyss opens up you know, it's like, can I fight this guy? If I fight this guy, will the cops come? Does this guy have enough money that he doesn't care about getting in trouble with the law? You know, like like you're immediately looking at like just the most primal form of violence. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And especially now, Corona, dude, you know what I mean? Your face masks are going to run out. It's like the, even if it's just the last almond milk, you know, it's like some yuppie <laughs> aggression. I mean, even still, it's just like shit's, you know, you're dealing with greater scarcity. This padded, decadent world of fucking everything being all nicey-nice and shit. It just goes away. And you're dealing with might makes right flames, man. And so it's just like um, that song is just about dealing with just the discomfort of those uh, those those fascist moments where you're, you're, you're just like... Uh, it's like you're almost being dared to go there by like a situation. You, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's like... It's just you can no longer appeal to morality or ethics because someone just cut you in line. There's, just, there's, just, you have to just either take it in the ass and let them have the space, or you just have to descend to that level. There's no, like, you know what I mean? Like you are mm. cucked. Like they took your space. Like you know, what I, I don't know. So it, it's, it's just so that's that Patrice. That's that shrug. You know, his famous shrug. Just yeah. it's the funniest. It's almost the funniest thing he does. It almost yeah. goes beyond the Patrice shrug. You know, like he's just shrugging off all humanity. He's just like, man, eh, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't, eh, I don't, I can't even do it. You're not even getting the visual. It's just it's yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. funniest thing. Yeah, it yeah. sums up his whole thing beyond words and concept. It's just a gesture of, of just this utter disregard for humanity. Dude. Yeah, that's right. That's he's, exactly he's right. Fucking, I, yeah, he's the devil, dude. He's to Patrice, dude. It, it's, it, it yeah. He's yeah, no, I mean, he's on the level him, without question of like, King Diamond, just like all the cats, like the he- like, like King Diamond, Coltrane, just like all the heavies. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I mean, I feel like I feel like he's in the tradition of prior, and it's like, yeah. I mean, it's a little. I'm a little bit talking out of school to even be talking about like blackness or anything like that. What it means to be a black man, but I mean, you, you know, I mean, prior, you know, he's sort of like set the thing of just like. This well, I mean, is prior, how- you know, one of the things that he's you know most famous and most uh, uh, beloved for, and the thing that people you know really look at him uh, in terms of influence is the amount of vulnerability that he brought to the stage. Yes, yes, yes and yes. in spite of all the machismo and the misogyny that. That, uh, that mm-hmm. Patrice is like, I think most uh, known for on the surface, you don't do the kind of comedy that Patrice was doing without a tremendous amount of vulnerability. Very I mean, true. Like, very like true. He, he's, he's putting it forward as like, these are safe. Like, I can express these ideas because quite obviously they they are counterbalanced by this other thing. That's how I always yeah, took yeah. it. No, absolutely. Well, and also, I mean, there's that self-awareness of like, of just, he's like, the reason it's funny is because he knows it's fucked up. But yeah. he's also not apologizing. 
it's like you know what i mean it's like there is the conflict of like you know it's almost just putting it out there of like isn't it fucked up that i think this like you know what i mean it's got that i mean like louis ck at his best has that sort of like a gentler version of that you know but i mean patrice i don't know i feel like he's like this it's so much darker than prior though because like prior might be just like you know this defiant thing against racism defiance against whiteness and white supremacy being like look at you know look I'm fucking smarter than everyone and I'm fucking vulnerable and all this shit. Right. Whereas like almost Patrice, it's almost like this vibe of like, look, I'm as evil as white people. You know what I mean? <laughs> just being like, I'm not a nice guy just cause I'm part of an oppressed group. Like I'm as evil right. as the oppressors. Like when he talks about wanting to have a white slave, you know, I mean, he's just like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He's just like, I'm not Cornell West. I'm like waiting for my opportunity to just flip this shit around. Like, cause it's, cause it's not about justice. You know, his racial shit, he's very woke about race. He's very, what we would call woke about race by calling out microaggressions. He didn't use that word, but you know, calling right. out white, li- white liberal passive aggressiveness and hypocrisy D- I, and, I, and police violence. But, but it's not from this point of view of like, I, I'm, I'm more moral than that. His point of view is just like, I just revenge. It's not about justice. It's fucking vengeance. Like I'm just ready to, fucking, you know, what you I know, mean? it's funny if Patrice were still around, if he didn't die in 2011, like it, it would be very easy to say, oh man, he would be so canceled, but like a, he wouldn't be like, you can't no, cancel no. someone who's He's uncancelable. Like, yeah. Coming Yeah. Coming out that fucking swing and but i i would really appreciate I, I mean everything we need to know about patrice i feel like is there but he would he would, <laughs> i would certainly welcome anything he would have to say right now like in the current well, age of like woke scolding well, and yeah dude my estimation of him as an artist and a thinker i honestly think that it's impossible to even it's impossible to even think about like oh how would he fit into the current landscape because he would change the current landscape just by being around and not having died yeah. i mean you know i i honestly think that the way things have gone down like culture war wise the past like five ten years would the course of it would be to some extent different literally even among people who don't even know who he is and have never heard him speak a word it just would have rippled out yeah. into the yeah like I mean, dark dude, matter if, yeah if, if if he had stayed on opie and anthony Anthony Cumia might be like 70% less racist. I mean, literally, you know what I mean? It's like numerous people might have not voted for Trump because Patrice was on. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Think about how many fucking people listen to ONA, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and it's, and it's, it, it, he might have just, you know, this, when Patrice died, that's when Cumia, <laughs> such inside baseball. I'm Sorry, like, guys. <laughs> just scumbag comedy and shit. But um, you know what? You should know all this shit, man. You know, you should know about Gramsci and you should know about ONA, period. But, yes. But they're both working class. Uh, well, I mean, ONA also, but, you know, God rest, you know, ONA's done. <laughs> God rest the soul of ONA. <laughs> Oof. I mean, man, I there's do not something... I do not endorse all that shit, man. I want to put that. I, well, no, no, I don't endorse Anthony, but I will say, and you know, this is actually counter to like everything I've ever said publicly uh, about like my sense of of vulnerability in the creative field. Opie and Anthony, for comedians and as listeners, it was literally the bandstand at Smalls. And like the basketball yes, court yes. at West Fourth Street. Yes. I mean, like you literally yes, yes, yes. could not show up without firing on all cylinders because the name of the game was like, "Do not be the guy that gets caught slipping." 
that gets caught slipping. Yeah, or that corner store at the at, at the corner table at the comedy store, right. the the, the right. comedian's table. Man, can you imagine stepping <sighs> up as a young comic to the fucking comedian's table, the comics table, and Patrice is there? I mean, just stepping. I mean, dude, it's like, no, but yeah, it's funny with with O and A, man. I mean, just thinking about if um if Patrice had lived, I mean, people can change people. People mm-hmm. affect each other, especially people working intimately together. We we have no idea where where Kumia would have been. If Patrice were alive during Black Lives Matter, I bet he would have changed that whole. He would have been all over Black Lives Matter as a proponent and a critic. Yeah, and he might have changed the whole course of of, of all the shit. And um, yeah, I, I I saw some. This is like maybe three or four years ago. One of these like um, one of these Buzzfeedy woke like this is also. I found another thing that's bad. You know, like mm-hmm. um, they, they they were like some shit about. They were like writing about uh about opie and anthony and they were like this was a precursor to the alt-right all these fascist ideas and i remember they said they said you know it didn't seem that bad at the time but this was a clearing house for these harmful far-right ideas they used the word clearing house mm-hmm. and they were like you know this was an embryonic stage of what later would become trump and what later would become ice detention centers letting Im- immigrants die and shit and it's like you know, I'm thinking to myself, was it a was it a place where these ideas they said it with the these ideas were laundered? You know, right. they were like, oh, right. ideas about eugenics were laundered, and 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 whatnot. Right. And I'm like, you know what, smuggled in, you know, mainstreamed, normalized. And I'm like, you know what, maybe, okay, maybe, but what if it was a buffer against actual fascism? You know what I mean? What if that was a limit? You know, what if that was a necessary limit to have mm-hmm. Patrice? You know, yeah. It's like what's it's like what's the difference between laundering an idea versus sublimating it, or or uh, maybe a sublimating is not the right word because that's sort of I think or even just, un- even unhealthy just, and psychoanalysis, right. but integrating it. You know what I mean? Keeping it under control. You know, yeah. Or maybe you know, forty years, thirty, forty years of neoliberal policy uh, helped usher in the alt right. Maybe uh, yeah, yeah, that's what more <laughs> perhaps than anything, more effectively dude, than do couple shot more jocks. than more than anything yeah. more than anything you know what I mean and it's like when you've got Patrice and and Anthony Cumia uh, shitting on you know taking the piss out of the hypocrisies of neoliberal horseshit and the hypocrisies of uh, of humanism you know mm-hmm. they were taking the hypocrisies out of Christianity and then they were taking it out of liberal humanism which is also a religion you know so it's it's yeah. um they they were doing a, an actually necessary critique patrice died and shit went off the rails with the fucking and in any case um this is the importance of patrice uh chad i hope i truly hope that you check out all of his work elephant in the room and the bootleg stuff on youtube from the comedy store in 2004 is yep. even deeper and even more uncomfortable but you should check that out or no you've already checked out it's much more that's lo-fi why, that's why too. You're, that's why you're asking this you just got to be prepared like um, the the stuff it's the, lo-fi yeah yeah um all right so we, we're going long this we'll do this question by john uh and this is the question that is gonna require a bit of unpacking these guys sent some pretty long questions um john writes i'd like to hear y'all dive deeper into a discussion Charlie started on his Prague white people YouTube rant, RE, the technical technique Prague progress. Yeah. Uh, the dude from the Atlantic's notion of a spectrum of punk and the aesthetics of complicatedness for complicatedness own sake. More yes. simply, when is technique cringe and when is it based? <laughs> now, just using the terms cringe and based might be a little unfamiliar to some people. I'm not going to explain what those terms mean. Uh, you can sort of infer what they mean. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm going to humor at first, but then sort of avoid really using those terms. But yeah. uh, wait, wait, yeah, you want to finish reading that? Or, uh, or? So, yeah, he elaborates no. his question. The question, the general question is, when is technique cringe and when is it based? And then the rest of the question, uh, this could be physical technique or compositional technique or anything that involves hitting the woodshed. My general take is an evolutionary model where it's cringe when somebody is signaling resources, but less so when it's somebody's signaling fitness. I'm gonna let that John sink is in very for a smart. Second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I knew that. I knew that already. But this is a very good question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reread that sentence for a second. Uh, my yeah. general take is an evolutionary model where it's cringe when somebody is signaling resources, but less so when it's somebody's signaling fitness. And then yes. uh, the last bit of his question. Also, would be curious to hear y'all talk about the accelerationist imperative for musicians and artists. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. All right. Okay. So, 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 some of this stuff is is um, is referencing, yeah. Which I'm not going to recap the whole thing, but this 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 YouTube thing I did about Prague and about how Prague has been referred to as the quote unquote whitest music ever, and why it's considered the whitest music ever. And then I go into a a um a thing. It's funny. You call By it the way, a, white a, white a rant. In, white in a uh, as. A, I think I just want to make very clear that the term is being used uh, pejoratively and not in like some Wagnerian oh, oh. way. Just oh 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 for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. it's from an it's from an Atlantic article yeah. from a few years ago where yeah. it was like it's 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 you know it's yes yeah, certainly like tisk tisk don't be white. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, like um, some of the comments in in on that <laughs> certainly defended whiteness in a way that is the other side of things. But um, yeah, yeah. So and I talked a lot about about tech technique in Prague, technicality and um, problems and and strengths with with technique and music. So, well, just to trim this a little bit, also would be the last thing I would be curious to hear you all talk about the accelerationist imperative for musicians and artists uh, that I won't answer, not to disrespect your curiosity, but it's it's just I don't have anything for that um, at, at all. But um yeah, accelerationism or just acceleration is an area of philosophy that I'm really into that John is also really into. So um, when is technique cringe and when is it based? Um, without getting into what cringe and based uh, uh, signals culturally, let's say cringe is bad, based is good. Cringe means embarrassing. Uh, cringe te- generally means embarrassing and e- either either insincere or overly sincere yet lacking in in self-awareness or substance uh, even yeah or, or substance um cr- uh, based tends to mean rooted in reality uh um hip to, you know hip to the bullshit um but uh also can the word comes from some quite quite right-wing kind of alt-right circles but um i have no problem uh resting it from that context mm-hmm. um but um Let's see. So, uh, well, your idea, John, the part of this that's not a question, but is it your take is awesome. And it's 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 what I said, but it's said actually better than I said in a lot of ways. He says it's an evolutionary model where it's cringe when you're signaling resources, but less so when it's signaling fitness. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically like technique in music or technical complexity. Yeah, I think a lot of people find it cringy and embarrassing when it when it when when the, when the people's proficiency signals resources resources when it signals that you went to music school that you had enough money to take fancy music lessons that you had 
that you had enough time on your hands to practice a lot, you know? Um, that's cringe to people. It's embarrassing. It's uninspiring to see someone show off, right, that they got a fancy music school degree, right? Mm -hmm. It's uninspiring to see someone, uh, you know, think that they earned something by hard work, but they actually just uh, whatever, you know, had fancy music school lessons or whatever. Um, but you're saying it's not cringe when someone is signaling fitness. Um, yeah, I mean, fitness, fit, see, fitness could, <laughs> um, <laughs> fitness could mean that you put in hard work and that, that, that is commendable, that that's commendable that you did that based on willpower or fitness could mean that you are just hardwired as an organism to to put in that work because you're hardwired to have that attention span mm -hmm. and you're hardwired to be able to gain those chops quickly um, with less effort. Um, when you say an evolutionary model, when you say evolutionary model and you have fitness, that is signaling a certain based worldview <laughs> where um i'm open to it man i'm down i'm down i can i can go i can i can go there um yeah yeah well i, I mean look if you want to talk about an evolutionary model based on fitness if you, i mean you really actually want to engage these kind of scary like darwinist ideas i mean stepping up to the bandstand uh you know at at, at, at minton's in the fucking 40s and trying to play mm -hmm. bebop and, and, and having Charlie Parker just cut your head off and having a young Miles snicker and you're humiliated, uh, that might be a, uh, you know, a sort of negative feedback loop that um, that is a quality control uh, mechanism that uh, bottlenecks certain musical traits <laughs> for a certain i'm just trying to use the most like bass like uh <laughs> evo psych uh edgy terms but um yeah there, there's a sort of ass whooping quality to that that uh that uh, increases fitness and maybe is this uh yeah um so that's sort of like not cringe um it's especially like i don't know if you call it based or cringe but it's it's uh i mean it is deep to think about these artists i always invoke jazz man because yeah. it's elitist it's elitist and it's also black it's so of an oppressed group yeah and yet and yet it does not um it's not completely elitist but there's a there's a it, it's not like completely based on complete democracy and equality um so I mean, think about how impressive it is that the the jazz artist of that era, think about how little time they had on their hands to shed, to practice, and yet they, the chops that they were uh, 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 able to gain, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, like Wes Montgomery, you know, like his his style of playing with his thumb, he got, you know, the story about how no. he developed that. He developed the style of playing with his thumb because he would, he his he would come home after a long day at work, working construction and his, his family had to sleep and he didn't want to wake up his family. So Jeez, he had to play yeah. quiet yeah. to shred, to shed. I mean, you know, man, I mean, I don't want to appeal to like bootstraps narratives. I mean, you know, that gets a little bit, 
that gets cringe on the conservative Absolutely, side. Absolutely, you know yeah. what I mean. Just like add a boy, you know. That's the real, you know, whatever. Right. But, but, um, but it that you can't say that's that's not inspiring, man. I mean, that's definitely signaling fitness and not and not resources, yeah. man. I mean, that's that's kind of deep. So, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree with you about about what what um what how people experience uh te- perceiving technique in in other in other uh in other people um but uh let's see i love to dive deeper into discussion that 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 um well yeah i'm i'm hearing uh yeah john i'm hearing more of a uh, more of a comment than a question here mm-hmm. and i like that's good that's a good thing uh i i i feel like i've commented on your comment um, yeah. Well. Okay. So you know. Well. You know. I want to ask you about oh, something specific. Oh, oh. 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 By the way, though. Actually, you know what? Just. Just to go pure yeah. theory, though. At the end, the the reason why I don't want to um, talk about an accelerationist imperative for musicians and artists. Um. For anyone that doesn't isn't on on the 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 tip here of acceleration related philosophy. Don't worry about it. Real quick, though. I just wanted to say, um, the idea of an accelerationist imperative actually is really a a question for me even the word ism at the end of acceleration ism i just say acceleration because it's unclear to me what the imperative is from an acceleration related point of view especially from a right-wing acceleration point of view I, i don't if capital is accelerating out of our control to the point where it's just having our way with us it's unclear how there can be any praxis at all and how there can be an ism or an ideology for something that essentially is just trying to come up with ways of talking about and thinking about the unthinkable. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the only imperative I can think about acceleration is just to like attempt to think about the end of humanity, which is sort of by definition impossible. Um, so yeah, that's and I'll say that my interest in acceleration and that w- wing of philosophy, I have no idea how that informs my music at all. I I, I could yeah I couldn't even say I couldn't even say it's a cool question, but I I, mm-hmm. I very little for you except that critique of the of the word accelerationist imperative. Anyway, word. Um, so yeah, uh, different. I mean, I want to I want to ask you something, and and we'll be kind of start winding down on this tip is. Um, you wrote something on, I think, Twitter a couple months ago, Not uh, coincidentally not long before he died, uh, about McCoy Tyner uh, and the way that he played in the Coltrane Quartet. Um, Did I? Are you sure that was me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, You said something about, I think it was, I, th- I want to say it's the way that he comes in on Nature Boy. On the- Oh, I meant uh, when Train comes in. When Train comes in. Yeah. You didn't say something about McCoy? No, I, I said when Train comes in after the after the after McCoy's solo uh, in uh, Chim Chim Cheree, not not in Nature. Chim Chim Cheree, right? Yeah, right. yeah. But but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could still. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we were talking earlier about um, vertical tension. Something I know that's been on your mind <laughs> a lot lately, and yeah, I I just want if if I, I want to ask you about the music of John. I was going to ask specifically about McCoy Tyner, uh, but hmm. let's let's just focus it on Coltrane and what that music has meant to you historically and what it means to you now. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, Train getting into john coltrane was like this thing i mean it was just beyond jazz you know i sort of started getting into jazz in my teens 
more as like a curiosity, you know, just on this thing of like, oh, this is interesting to play. It was more about, you know, it was less like just gutting me. You know what I mean? So it's like Ornette and Train were kind of the first artists to just absolutely like eviscerate me and stuff. And and uh, yeah, Train, just hearing his music kind of up the ante just as far as what this, what music can be. I mean, just how serious it can be. Um, and just not just how serious music can be, but just how serious I can be about it and just what it meant to be a musician. I mean, just the idea that this is really like a priest, it's a priest-like calling yeah. where you're, you're really dealing. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's just ways that I wouldn't have even talked or thought about music before hearing his music. Um, and not just the sound of it, but just like what it's about and just him as a guy. I mean, just him as a, as a, just his, just what he was like and about. I mean, just this, utterly ascetic practice practice mode um and you know on the vibe of vertical tension actually you know that with a lot of jazz musicians in the culture of jazz there's that vibe of practicing it's less in the free jazz realm but in the in the straight ahead realm you know Mm -hmm. about how there's this especially when you're young and you're coming up there's this machismo of like Oh, like you only practice three hours. I practice five. Like mm-hmm. fucking, you know, this is like big dick thing about about how how much you're practicing, and the vibe of just knowing about Coltrane's insane practice routine and just hearing how the music comes out of that, um, it changed my way of thinking about what it meant to practice for a million hours. You know, it 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 made it like, oh no, that's not just this macho thing of like I put in a million hours you know, I put in more hours than you. It was like, no, this is a spiritual practice. And it's just more about the level of devotion. You know, it's not like counting hours. I mean, obviously he practiced 10 hours a day. Obviously I'm not going to do that. I had to go to high school and do geometry and shit. And now I have mm-hmm. day jobs. You can't practice 10 hours a day. But just, um, yeah, just what that meant. um, And just the way what he obviously was practicing would come out in the music, you know, this vibe of like, of like you hear giant steps and it sounds like okay yes obviously he practiced that shit a ton i find that shit actually kind of not that inspiring to be honest giant i steps? actually find yeah yeah i actually find it like not that deep it's, it's to me it's 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 more like research i mean to me it's it's more just like an invention you know uh-huh. like but but to hear his it, once he started to break and it becomes the classic quartet just to hear that you can tell he was practicing billions of hours of internalizing these patterns and scales but then to hear that just like him working through that shit on this utterly unanal like completely spiritually tranced out just channeling just religious like thing Mm -hmm. you know of just being like i've incorporated all this practice into my body and my being and what i am but then with the way I'm throwing down as an improviser when I'm actually making art is just rendering it all completely almost irrelevant, but not by throwing it out the window, just by just hacking it. Like, I, I don't even, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. just like, just especially when he's playing on that modal shit, like on Chim Chim Cheree, it's just like kaleidoscopically running through just these sheets of harmonic shit you know and just the rhythmic aspect of it even when he's just sandblasting you with just like a million notes like it's still just rhythmically like 
the hip is shit, even though a lot of people couldn't mm-hmm. hear that at the time. And they're like, oh, it's not mm-hmm. jazz. It doesn't swing. It's like, no, actually, it's the blues still. It, it's just, dude. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just, yeah. Um, well, and, it, and it's like 100% detail. There's, It's not like, yeah. he's not going like note to note, like accidentally hoping it works out. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is yes, absolute no, I focus. I, no, I I know. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking out of control, man. It's, it's like, especially my favorite train record is actually Crescent. I always it's say this, one. and I, I know I'm not, I'm really not saying that just to be the like, oh yeah, I like the weird one. And it's like, yeah. no man, it, because it's like all reined in and like, he's not going full throttle and it's all like contemplative and like mezzo forte and kind mm-hmm. of like, just like sad and shit. And like, he's playing this way more lyrically than he ever was, you know, in that time period and shit. Mm-hmm. But it's like the way he's channeling all that like out shit. I mean, I guess that's the same year as Love Supreme. So he isn't fully into like, I mean, yeah, he isn't fully into like fucking, you know, like transition or stellar regions territory yet. But but just like considering what he was dealing with harmonically at that time, it's way reined in. And it just makes it all the more fucking mind-blowingly radiant to hear this shit just like channeled in like a tighter you know, like a tighter tube or something, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. you, you know, like it's just like Jesus fucking Christ, man. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's what Coltrane has meant to me. I mean, and just, I mean, he's like a father figure to me, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I'm not a cat. You know, I grew up with a, a dad for sure. I mean, that dude was all too present. I mean, motherfucker <laughs> was like there AF. Like, you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> but um. But I think that Coltrane, well, I think he fulfilled some roles that my dad was not fulfilling. Bless, hmm. bless my dad's, bless my dad's heart. Hmm. They both taught me discipline. Mm-hmm. They they both taught me mm-hmm. discipline. But Coltrane taught me discipline more on the level of like, this is a ladder up to like the most high, you know. Whereas my dad doesn't really fuck with that. He's more like, you need discipline so that bad shit doesn't happen to you you know it's coming from like anxiety <laughs> like an anxiety point yeah. of view you know um yeah it's so funny i mean like not funny but like coltrane i don't listen to coltrane every day i know my life would be better if i did uh but maybe, there's something so now, comforting uh, like about just knowing that he's there when i need yes it. yes you know no i know i know just think about his face on the cover of a yeah. love supreme yeah, yeah, just yeah. that look like what he's like what the fuck is he looking at i mean we know but it's like but i mean just he's like all solemnly like staring yeah. off into the distance but it's like with love like dude it's so i it's, mean it's, it's truly one of those things and like you know circling back to like the start of the conversation about you know uh, using things outside of ourselves for for avoidance or for comfort or for dealing with with particularly you know challenging situations like yeah it has been proven to me time and time again that like if i'm confused about something if my heart is hurting if i'm generally just feeling weighted down with with um problematic feelings and thoughts like it is literally a Coltrane solo is always a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, of the time. when is it ever bad? No, I know. It's I never know, once man. been bad. I know, man. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you know what? Also, man, Coltrane has meant has meant to me in recent years. Actually, 
is is getting see i hate the expression get out of your own head because i i i often find that is this condescending thing of just yeah. like man just relax i'm just like fuck you dude tell me to relax again but 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 it's <laughs> but it's but 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 there is but there is a thing of like i think a lot of the stuff that i've done and i'm not even denigrating my own shit really or regretting anything but a lot of the stuff that i've done it's been very it's been processed through a certain i'm not gonna say narcissism at its worst maybe narcissism but at its best maybe self-reflection but um but you know this kind of uh shit that's about me as a personality you know and trying to transcend it you know but the lyrics that are inward looking and about life and about this world and about what i'm dealing with and my thoughts and my feelings and trying to transcend it but it's like trained to me reminds me that like that's not ever what this really was about man in the first mm-hmm. place in the first place mm-hmm. you got into this for essentially humble religious reasons you know i mean essentially this is about the most high and it gives me confidence that i can change as a person and still remain the artist that i'm i'm meant to be you know what i mean yeah. it, it helps me it helps me not fall in love with my own bullshit you know mm-hmm. what i mean it helps me realize like yeah, dude, the entire next record, could, the lyrics could all just be about the sky. I mean, they, they won't, you know, it'll be right. about my fucking dick and fucking Gramsci and whatnot. I mean, you know, but but like, um, but yeah, just the next record could be completely instrumental. You know, our new record, like our new record that we just made, those mm-hmm. essentially just like l- mostly improvised, mm-hmm. you know, that's as deep as any of the shit that I made as a, you know, guy with all my ideas about what mm-hmm. I'm doing and shit, you know, and it's just Coltrane just reminds me of that. It's like, no, man, like, you know, this is about music. It's not about me, you know, even mm-hmm. when it appears to be about me. So he takes me out of the, yeah, he's, he's like humbling, you know, he's like, yeah. it's like, yeah. that, you know, fear and trembling, you know. Yeah, he's the saint. And, and he's a fucking saint. He's the Fear, saint. trembling, and discipline. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's like a member Charlie. of both of our families, man, you know? Oh, he's a... I mean, dude, it's fucking <laughs> crazy. Like, you know, like, I feel there's, like, this, like, narcissistic uh, urge with artists, like, to really create, like, a body of work or something that is going to outlive them and, and be studied for years, which is, like quite clearly the most wrong-headed approach that you can start from. <laughs> but, like... yeah. Yeah, Coltrane in a hundred years, people are still going to be like not out Coltraining him. It, it, yeah, like yeah. no, no one's out Coltraining him yet. Like, and yeah. they ain't gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how excellent is that? No, it's yeah, it's so deep, man. Yeah. All right, dude. I, you are without question my favorite person to talk to. Uh, dude, likewise, man. Like taking the time. No, uh, this, this is. is, this is yeah, and, and I, I, I do wish we could have gotten to everybody's question, but, but, um. You know, I think we just had to we just had to go deep on these, man. Yeah. You know, it yeah, just, no, it just I, I think to, I think we hit the right it just notes. had to be I, I don't think we talked about Patrice O'Neill for one for one unnecessary minute. I think no. it was just No, like, I could do I could do like if I was if I was an academic, I could do a thesis on Patrice. Yeah. And going from like, Patrice to Coltrane is like I mean that, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> You gotta know what matters, man. Yeah, no, I know. It's like yeah. Alright, but yeah Uh, good talk beautiful man thanks for having me I love you man and um yeah we'll do more of these you know yeah yeah All right. All right. that was Charlie Looker I hope you guys enjoyed that Uh, like I said Charlie my brother 
Absolutely love that man. Uh, and if you want to check out Charlie's stuff, including his new project, Nothing Human, that's what you can hear behind me. Go to charlielooker.com. Check out his YouTube channel. He's posting stuff all the time. And uh, next week, it's me and Mark Urselli. So send questions. Seriously. If you're working on a home recording right now, you could do a lot worse than getting input from someone like Mark. Send your questions. 5049records at gmail.com. All right. See you next week.